Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, Chris Arendale of Cyberdata Pros, Inbox Monster, and more than a couple other hats as we were just discussing, right? Welcome, Chris. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Inter inter introduce yourself to the world, man. Uh, so Chris Arendelle, I've been involved in email technology, privacy, security for, oh my gosh, over 22 years. Yeah. Um, started my first um, uh, business right in, I would say, right at 2001. I was working with lawyers on their IT, their software, and started actually sending out emails for, for a lot of lawyers. Um, they wanted to, they, they wanted to do, you know, the, of course they have the TV commercials, they have the billboards, but they started to finally realize that email was, um, relevant, inexpensive, and actually, you know, had a really good ROI. Right. And so yeah. I started to do that. Eventually started working, uh, sold that business, started uh, working for uh, silver pop at the time, an email service provider, which is now acoustic. Which was uh, silver pop was acquired by IBM and then spun back out, right? Yeah, spun back out. Yeah. So wow. that was. Met my wife there. Uh, we worked together there, which was great. Um, you know, I've worked for a lot of email agencies, worked for a lot of ESP startups. Yeah. Um, I've started a few more companies. I sold my uh, email deliverability business in 2018. Uh -huh. uh, and then, of course, in 2021, started Cyber Data Pros, where we work with, you know, businesses of all shapes and sizes on data privacy, compliance, cybersecurity, uh, and, and really kind of protecting the data that they have, right? Because if you imagine... Email marketers, agencies, email service providers, they collect a lot of data and store a lot of data. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is it safely protected? Who has access to it? All these things that we kind of, you know, review. And so we do a lot of internal audits, risk assessments. Um, we help clients and companies get prepared for things like ISO, SOC, HIPAA, PCI. And so it's, it's busy, uh, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. What's the, what's the top couple of years, uh, let's call them mistakes that you expect to find when you walk in and work with a new email marketing client? I'd say a few things that really kind of come up are <clears throat> data over collection, right? So again, if you think about progressive profiling, if you think about the forms that are on these websites, yeah. they're collecting a lot of data that really is, it's not relevant for what they're doing, right? Do they, do they need job title? Do they need, you know, company revenue? <clears throat> do they need you know, all the different particular areas of PII, things like address and phone number, right? And, and when, once you have that data, you know, it's sitting there, maybe let's say in Marketo or in, you know, uh, a platform, Salesforce, um, yeah. you know, then other people have access to it. They can download it. Mm -hmm. Let your login were to get hacked. Now people can, right. you know, use that information maliciously. So we do see a lot of that, right? Data over collection. Um, we also tend to see that the data that is stored, it's, saved on somebody's laptop, right? It's not encrypted, right? Yeah. Yeah. We see that quite a bit. Yeah. You know, and you think about it from like a disaster recovery perspective, right? So if that laptop were to crash, all your right. data is gone. But right. if the laptop were to get lost or stolen, somebody has access to that. So a lot of times it's about data over collection, data minimization, uh, principle of least privilege, privacy by design. A lot of those sort of terms that we use a lot because, you know, doing these audits, we find uh, just a lot of those gaps, right? You know, you can take a look at infrastructure. You can take a look at, you know, things like IPs, domains, DNS records, right? DMARC, right? Or they have DMARC set up. But honestly, it's it's getting back to the basics. It's understanding what data is being collected, how it's stored, who has access to it, um, and 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 really how you're how you're securing it. Uh, we find that a lot, you know. And, and honestly, most of the time it comes down to training, 
a lot of individuals just don't, they weren't aware. They just assume that, hey, if I put it in this location, then, you know, IT or somebody has already configured it to where it's properly set up. Right. They, we, they will have taken care of it. I, I'm sure training's a piece of it. How often do you find that orgs are actually properly budgeted and resourced for the level of execution they should do with their data they're collecting? Yeah, it's very minimal. You know, we were yeah. working with a client recently that I was really impressed with. Um, you know, again, they had budget. Uh, they had the, the resources uh, to actually do, to really kind of, I would say, be about 60, 70% there. Mm -hmm. uh, which is great, right? We'll work with clients, you know, we're talking 10, 20%, right? <laughs> the things like they don't even have policy documentation. They don't have training. They don't have acceptable use policies, right. uh, you know, data classification policies. There's a lot of that that's missing. Uh, but oftentimes you'll find that one, one in a million that may have a little bit more set up and are, are ready to kind of, uh, kind of move forward. Which means most likely there's someone with some experience at one of the other kinds of orgs who's now running the things there and says, no, 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 we, we cannot do this on a shoestring. The risk is too great. It won't actually work, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious about your reaction to something. I want to flip data uh, to a different perspective for a second. Um, I, I worked on a post recently for, uh, for one of the email orgs I'm, I belong to. Um, and I was trying to think through this puzzle of personalization. And in particular, the tension between personalization and privacy. You got the guy in the street, if you ask him, says, oh, I want to be treated personally. And then when you say, will you fill in one more field on the form? He goes, no, 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 no. I'm too busy for that. Yep. And yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I did a webinar recently uh, a few weeks ago called privacy versus personalization. Yeah. Uh, primarily because, you know, again, as marketers, you know, they want to get collect data, personalize, give individuals, uh, you know, again, a good sort of experience based upon the data that they've collected, right? Yeah. Because again, you know, as a, as, a, as a data subject, right? When I give my information, when I give my data up, what am I getting in return? Right. Am I getting some sort of value, right? Whether that be a webinar, maybe it'd be a PDF download, maybe it'd be a giveaway, something. What am I getting in return? Right. And so you got to think about, you know, again, third-party cookies going away. You got to start thinking about first-party data. You got to start thinking about, you know, browsers with a do not track piece coming up, right? Especially Google Chrome coming out next year. Right. Um, so all that is, it really means like, hey, we, we want personalization. You know, it's also scary when you get that uh, email from Amazon that's like, you know, dear so-and-so, you know, I see you know, your address is this. Thank you for the subscribe and save. We're going to be sending you some toilet paper because, you know, as of our algorithm means that, hey, you know, it uh, takes you two weeks to go through eight roles. Therefore, it's a full personalized experience. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's, that may be too much, right? But at the you, same time, you know, it's, it's, it's what you're getting in return. It's what you're getting in return. But you open an interesting door there. Um, my Amazon, my Amazon login is well over a quarter century old. There I said it. Mm -hmm. happened to, I happened to live in Seattle when Amazon first uh, oh, showed nice. up in the world. Yeah. But um, Amazon, in email at least, in their email, in uh, quite a quite a light touch on personalization, um, less than they used to do, right? Yep. And and I right. I find it intriguing that the company that I am sure has the most data about me 
just because of the frankly purchases and history um they they don't use it as much as as they used to as they used to it and and as a personalization enthusiast might say they should now maybe that's because they got me anyway and i'm not going away maybe i don't know i know with uh like with package uh package notifications you know hey you bought they don't even list what it is anymore right right intriguing right yeah like you'd think the personalization you want is well i want to know what thing is in you know that is being referenced here they don't even tell you what's in the package and like, hmm, it also puts him in a locus of control. This just occurred to me. I got to go back to Amazon and find out what, what's actually coming to the door. <laughs> They're getting that traffic, right? They're getting that traffic back to their site, to their yeah. app, right? That's key. I think the biggest thing, you know, thinking about the consumers, especially in the United States, right? What, the reason why CCPA really started was due to data breaches, right? Or data being sold or data being shared to third parties. You know, if you, if you look at um, these state laws, None of them go into that explicit opt-in consent for email, right? It's more about, you know, privacy by design, data protection, security, storage, all that. And so, sure, privacy is really concerned about what you're doing with the data, how you're processing it, what, you know, how you're storing it, you know, et cetera. But I think the biggest thing on that is that consumers still want that personalized experience, right? Dear first name, last name, you know, they want that experience, but to what level? Because you're right, once you hit certain you know, notes with certain people, they stop. Right, right. The creepy, the creepy threshold. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because like, why are you asking me about company revenue? Why are you asking me my salary range? Why are you asking me my age, religion? What are you going to do with that data, right? And how right. are you going to mark it to me? Because that information is not relevant to what your, what your company is doing. Well, and then there's the category of data that I mean, you'll know better than I do, but there's a category of data that, that, that comes with the interaction on a website or an app that could be captured, could be useful, isn't in the consumer's mind necessarily as something that they're exposing. I mean, the obvious example is, uh, is location to a, to a reasonable degree, right? Someone goes and fills in a web form. You probably know where they are. Yeah. Pretty close. Right. hundred percent. And did I, did, did you ask me about recording that? Is it actually of value for me, of value to me for you to keep track of that? All of these are open questions. And then there's the, and then there's the end run of this, which is, oh my word, like the form is going to be so long and the permission agreement is going to be so arcane that everyone's going to go. I just don't want to deal with you this. Don't want to do it. Yeah, I, yep. I just close, close, the, close the window. And we're, it feels to me like we're living, yeah, we're, we're living as we're sort of starting to arc over. It was a wild west, grab anything you want for quite a stretch. And now we're starting to say, as a, as a culture broadly, right. hang on a minute. <laughs> Maybe we need some uh, guidelines and rails and rules and things like that. Right, because I mean, you think about, you know, just, again, site that scrapes your cookies, site that scrapes like your location data. Yeah. Right. You know, what's what's the relevancy there? Why do you need it? But um, yeah, I mean, if you notice now, it's, you know, accept all cookies, deny all cookies, allow functional cookies. What about these cookies? Right. All of that that's now, you know, kind of permeating like through our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to think about, you know, just the, the existence of things like GDPR and Castle that have been happening in other countries. Yep. United States is finally getting around to it. But again, it's about the data protection. Don't sell, don't share my data um, yep. without the 
explicit opt-in consent right we all know that can spam is still the law of the land in the united states whereas things like gdpr and castle have used that explicit opt-in yep. you know to again i think uh depending upon how you look at it right from a privacy professional the explicit opt-in is great because i'm physically having to do something in order for you to communicate with me mm -hmm. but the marketing side is like that limits the number of interactions and how we can work with people yeah do we do we need uh national law of the land to address these issues is can spam do for replacement i think can spam is due for a review absolutely it's been too long i think there are a lot of things that have changed technology technology has changed uh the the you know the privacy culture of the world has changed uh i think there needs to be some review and things like how you can communicate with people uh right i mean unsubscribe great header match and the you know the email subject line match the body all that's great but the consent side may need a little bit of work, right? But I think on the flip side, you know, with a national privacy law, ADPPA, which is currently sitting in the house, something that kind of intersects all these states that are doing their own thing, having something more on a national level that's like, we care about privacy, we care about your information, we care about how it's being used. We need to kind of do this on a national level versus just all these states doing things. Quick sidebar, Chris. I'm not sure if this is the cause, but there's a scratch in the audio on your side. And oh. I think it may be the mic. Yeah, I'll hold it down. Rubbing a little bit. It's like, I want to try what you sitting in here. I was Sorry about trying that. to see if it correlated with your motion and all. We're fine. We'll, uh, we'll actually, I will actually run the audio through an AI processor. We'll see if it catches that. Chat GPT? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, do for an update. And and the other thing, just the the pervasiveness of digital and data in our lives is so different now from when hand spam was passed. It's like now you carry your life on a supercomputer in your pocket everywhere you go. That's a big deal. And that's a lot of data and and so on. Yeah, nobody's nobody's reading the terms of use, the privacy policies that just accept and move on. Let me install whatever app, allow it to do whatever it's going to do. And I think it's all about that customer experience, right? Because if you think about it, let's take Uber, for instance, Uber, you know, I, again, you got your credit card saved, your home address saved, your work address saved, location data enabled, all of that stuff. Yeah. What would the experience be like if you didn't save all that? Right, right, right. And I mean, granted, they're in the job of, of of moving my carcass from point A to point B when I want them to. Sure. So it's useful to the thing of value they do, the job to be done that I hire them for. And yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to let gone. Would sure. I want someone outside Uber to get access to that? Probably not. Probably mm -hmm. not. Good. You know, Google has a really good idea. I spend way too much time in this one place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the interesting thing is the other day I was uh, eating in a restaurant and left and it was like, I had a little pop up with my phone that said, you know, your reviews are, you know, there's a lot of people that like your reviews. Would you like to leave a review for insert the restaurant that I was at? And it's like, whoa, that's interesting. Really? Like, how, how did that get turned on? How'd that get enabled? Right. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's uh that's that's more that's more forward than I would have would have expected. I mean, just getting asked for a review, you know, the someone somewhere knows you left the restaurant is one thing, but to connect that with, uh, you know, with your influencer rating, so to speak, sure, out in the world, <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> Believe me, I was like, oh, that's a little too far. So yeah, it feels a, it feels a little too far. And, right. and isn't it funny that part of the threshold that concerns us is emotional and 
not necessarily easy to articulate crisply or put into policy language, right? Feels. Sure. X is a big deal and, and should be a big deal. But what's that limit for everyone, right? Is yeah. The, and yeah. What's, what's too far? Because if you ask somebody again, like company revenue or location data, religion, yeah. everybody yeah. has a different, like it hits different. And so yeah. understanding your audience and knowing, again, again, with progressive profiling, with, with the web forums, everything else, mm -hmm. understanding where that limit is for your audience is key for marketers. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I think marketers are wearing, wearing a fairly horrendous set of, uh, a hand, of handcuffs in, in some ways. They are. In, in trying to, to do the job of know the customer and know the market. Uh, within the constraints of law, within the constraints of how much time we'll give them, how many forms we'll fill in, within the constraints of do the, is, is their data house in perfect order? Because nobody says. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Like, oh, and then about the time that you've got a halfway decent picture of me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unsubscribe and blow that record up for you. <sighs> Or write in and say, delete all the data you have about me or what information do you have? And, yeah. You know, and I think the, the marketers are really being constrained with having to be CCPA experts, having to be GDPR experts, having Ooh. to be DMARC experts, yeah, right? All these things that they're BIMI, right? Like they're being experts in all these items and areas. And it's like, you know, they have a job to do as well. They need to, you know, again, be... <laughs> They're, they're, they're just being piled on with all these other responsibilities. And so that's where we find a lot of times, like, you know, we'll come in and help ease that burden by being that expert yeah. and helping to kind of guide the process along. But we do see that a lot with marketers. Well, marketers, marketers now, you've seen that MarTech landscape diagram, right? With all the MarTech mm -hmm. systems on it. Like, oh yeah. The MasterCard in the CMO's pocket is is the is the gateway to a shadow IT organization of gargantuan proportions. Oh, yeah. um, and it's not like all of that stuff comes pre-assembled. All the stuff off no. that Martech landscape doesn't come pre-assembled. No. And I find a lot of marketing orgs, and I'm 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 gonna bet you're gonna shake your head. Yeah. They're very undergone in terms of the technical knowledge and talent they should have on the team. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they're sold a lot of, hey, this this technology is easy. It's point and click. It's yeah. You click a few buttons, API integration, <laughs> data yeah. flows, and it's like that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 and you start multiplying, and you get geometric confusion of 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 all of those easy to connect. <laughs> and we'll, we'll go into we'll go into clients, and they'll have two, three, four email service providers, and you start to right. wonder like why is why is that. Well, right. you know, um, this person left, this person came in and they prefer this platform over the other one, but we still keep that one. And it's like, well, there's needs to be some consolidation. You got to understand and figure out why you have each technology, each platform, do the job that you need to do. Well, sometimes it's because they literally don't know how to turn it off, right? Right. It's doing job X and whoever set it up is gone. Right. And... Uh, we need to move that thing it does into this other box, but we actually don't know how it works. <laughs> so we'll leave it like, hey, kids, learn COBOL. I guarantee <laughs> you'll get employed. <laughs>
Exactly. But we see that all the time that, you know, it's like this system is still going. Yeah. And, you know, we work with clients on DMARC as well. So again, when you turn DMARC on, yeah. you start to see the sources that are using your domain to send email. Right. And you're like, who's using this product and this yeah. product and this product? And yeah. we worked with clients where we ha actually had to go to procurement and billing and to say, who's signing out. off on these? Exactly. So you can start to, to work your way to shut that down. Well, it's like going through your own credit card statement to find out, what am I subscribed to again? Right, Netflix, and Hulu, with all these things. You're like, <laughs> like the, the bill keeps getting larger. Like, yes, it does. That. So, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what DMARC does. I hate annual renewals. There, I said it out loud. <laughs> like, what? What? You expected me to remember that? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Automatic <laughs> renewals. That's, uh, that gets you every time. Yeah. And it makes, uh, and also sort of makes the, makes the world or the economy go round in some some sectors as well. we're, we're helping out now let's go on a let's go on a tangent for a second my word we're piling up a lot of data in the world we are it's a mess too well nope. and i keep thinking i mean use your own hard you know your own hard driver inbox as the as the stand-in for the world's problems like i should go clean up that other inbox but I haven't gotten to it yet this year or the year before or the year before this. Like open, I opened an inbox the other day and I forget how many tens of thousands of messages were in there. Right. And oh, yeah. blame Google if you want for making the storage look like it's free. But, you know, aside from select all delete, which I wasn't quite willing to do. It's like, hey, don't, I just don't have the energy or interest in grappling with the thing and then with what looks like the nominal cost is so low the closing the tab is an easier solution right. yeah and a lot of people <laughs> will actually just close the account too right they're like okay sure. i'm just going to close the account as opposed to going yeah. through and trimming and they'll just create another one that's one right way that's and, true yeah you know that but it's but you're right it's like i find especially um <laughs> during par certain parts of the year where unsubscribes tick up right because people are mm -hmm. like they're spending a little extra time maybe during the holidays or maybe during the summer and they're actually going through and, and unsubscribing from brands or unsubscribing from certain you know companies. And it's interesting to see those trends because, you know, you'll see things like complaint rate spike up and block list spike up during the holidays as well. Right. Because really, you know, this, 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 you know, why is this company trying to sell me something when I haven't heard from them in five years, in 10 years? Yeah. And then it's like, that's abusive behavior. Right. right. So that's, we think about that during, uh, during the holiday times, but, um, you're right. When it comes to the data that we have, the data that we're collecting, it is piling up and it's, it's piling up in a way that makes a lot of professionals uncomfortable, a lot of marketers uncomfortable, but it's also about like, you know, what are you, what are you doing with that, with that data and, and where is it being stored and who is accessing it? So it kind of comes back to the fundamentals of, um, over collection of data, data forms, things of that nature. So think from that perspective, you got to also look at things like Google drive, right? or Microsoft OneDrive. Mm -hmm. And when you are collecting that data, where, which folder are you putting it in? Mm -hmm. By the way, you shared this with a client that is no longer a client, right? Or you shared the top level folder. Now they have access to all those subfolders. Right, right. So it is a, it's having that button down and training for employees to understand what they can and can't do as it relates to that data. Mm -hmm. See that all the time. And including things like implementing DLP rules, right? So data loss prevention. So if um, somebody were to receive an email that had PII in it, mm -hmm. that attachment would be stripped out. 
Mm -hmm. you know, putting prepending uh, words in the subject line that's like risk or PII risk or security risk or something. That way it's in front of the, the person that's actually opening the mail, right? So it's, um, I, I still see clients all the time. They'll email spreadsheets of PII back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, sure, Gmail has, you know, great encryption and, and I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's password is very secure, right? Where nobody's going to be able to <laughs> go out there and get hacked. But, you know, they, there are a lot of fundamentals that just aren't being done. You, you know, the worst at trusting email as, a, as if it were secure, in my experience, the worst at that are lawyers. They are. They're yes. funny. Like, oh no, don't put it in the cloud. I'm really security conscious. Email it to me. Do you know what you just said, buddy? <laughs> yep. And, well, and, then, and then think about it, right? Like how often do you go back and you say, I'm going to delete that file from my inbox. Mm. Never happens. It just stays there. It just stays there. Yeah. It just stays there. You know, yeah. and, and, and then again, who else has access to that mailbox? Yeah. You want to scare yourself, uh, hop in, hop in your search engine of choice and put in your name and then something like file type, uh, yeah, PDF XL, or XL, Excel. XLS or XLW. You'd be surprised how many places you turn up, how many lists you're in. Yeah. It's, it, it's we, nuts. We, we do a lot of that for clients, you know, dark web scanning. We do sure. a lot of those Google searches and show. This, there are multiple reasons why you should not be doing this. And here are the reasons why. And once they see that, it's then like, okay, we have to get serious about this. Yeah. Yeah. And serious in part because the, in part because of the risk, which is, that's what you're, one of the things you're helping them address. Sure. Is there a, is there an efficiency in, in addition to risk reduction? Is there an efficiency outcome? Like it actually costs less to do this well than to do it poorly? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you got to think about, you know, not only buying too much software or, um, you know, again, thinking about training from a, uh, you know, overall security perspective, but I think it's about, um, you know, there are efficiencies and, um, Hey, we can automate the offboarding process. We can automate the onboarding process. We right. can automate, uh, you know, categorize data by group. So that, that way, if somebody comes on, they get added to a group mm -hmm. they now have access to everything as opposed to piecemealing stuff. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of systems out there that are, again, are, are single sign-on, right? Mm. Single sign-on is great because if the person leaves, you turn off their account, which also disables their single sign-on capabilities right across the board. So there are a lot of efficiencies that can be gained. Um, and we do work with clients on those because I like to show, hey, it's not only protecting the data that you have and your employees from data breaches and all that, it's about actually saving money and actually introducing efficiencies. And they're yeah. like, wow, really? Because when I hear data privacy and cybersecurity and, and yeah. all and, and deliverability, yeah. that, that's a cost center, right? Where yeah. most people think it's a cost center. Yeah. It's like yeah. not. There are a lot of ways that you can actually save money that way. Well, and, 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 and lever yourself to make more of what you're spending. And I'm thinking specifically there of deliverability, right? The company that doesn't, doesn't invest a little bit in getting deliverability, right? A little bit or a lot is, could be sending email into a, the black hole that does nothing for them. I, I, I've seen, um, not only that, it's so funny because you'll, you work with somebody like, I'm well, I'm good. I'm not getting any spam complaints. Well, that's because all your emails go to the junk folder, right? You can't <laughs> hit the spam button if you're in the junk folder. Right. Uh, but I also would say that, you know, uh, I still see marketers that don't look at their campaign metrics. They may, they may say, 
hey, our deliverability is 99%. That's not deliverability. That's your delivered rate, right? Set minus balanced equals delivered. So you're delivering 99%. Um, but they don't look at, dig into the details. They may just look at the open rate. You know, they may just look at the click rate, but they're not looking at bounces. They're not looking at unsubscribes. They're not looking at complaints. All of that is very helpful, right? Because in a bounce message, you may see that you're blocked at proof point. You may see that there's a issue at Microsoft dig into those bounces, that's where, the, that's where the gold is, right? You can use um, C testing, you can use, um, you know, all these different tools, combine that with the gold that you have in those metrics, that really paints the picture of what's happening with your email. Except that nobody's looking at open rates since Apple decided to most true. knows, right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now, now marketers are saying, what should I be looking at, right? And so, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear answers from experts that'll say, Hey, go look at Google Analytics, right? Because then you can track your UTM codes, see what the traffic looks like. And then, you, you know, you see, you hear all these things and some people are like, well, now I'm looking at click rates and, or now I'm looking at this and it's, you know, it, it's, it's across the board. Uh, it's a, it's a mess is what it is. I, I had to make a face when you mentioned Google Analytics because uh, it, leave, leave how you contextualize Google aside for a second. It, it drives me nuts that email marketers tend to live inside of their ESP and not actually in that larger bucket that most sure. everyone else is using. Like, why are we not passing this through to one analytics platform? So we're all talking when we're arguing about attribution, we're all actually talking about the same like records in the same pie that we're trying to slice up and so on. Like, uh, and, yep. and I mean, every, every field's guilty of myopia, right? Every field's guilty. Sure. Of this is what matters because this is what I work with and I don't yeah. understand what you work with and it's too much. It's for, for my KPIs are, right? My KPIs and my goals KPIs are, here. are here. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So you, you get that, but I think it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, just looking more at bounce logs, looking at the different records and the, and the data that you have will help you because, you know, we go in and we'll see maybe, maybe a 20% bounce rate and then you're like, well, what happened? Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. What do you mean I don't know? Like, you know, so. Well, in, in, in some ways, in some ways, I think that problem, those, that set of problems, um, we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of selling people into that problem without telling sure. them it's going to show up, right? A uh, uh, company that starts small, gets their MailChimp account, realizes this is, you know, key and then starts getting bigger and doesn't realize that you gotta, you've got to act an instrument differently at a certain scale. Well, of course they didn't know that that was going to happen when they were starting with a little MailChimp account, right? Yep. Like, and then all of a sudden, wow, this is a mess and we're blacklisted and none of it's working. And ah, why didn't somebody tell us this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and scale, right? Because then and you scale. start to think about like, okay, well now we have enough traffic for a dedicated IP. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. we were on a shared IP before or yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. custom domains and branded tracking and landing right. pages right. and all right. those things that happen. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I get it, you know, small business and you grow and you kind of graduate to like different levels of, of providers. But, you know, I think there's a lot of things that marketers need to think about from a growing perspective that oftentimes, again, you're kind of blinded into what you're currently doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And blinded and, and, and handcuffed earlier conversation about sure technical talent, data, uh, data complexity, time, stress, budget, like all of, all, all, all of those factors and you can't just outsource it right you can't no. say hey someone else deal with this problem 100 percent for me because i don't i don't think that's actually fully possible 
No, I, we were working with a client that, uh, a marketer that was asked to do a data mapping exercise, right? And so our yeah. marketer client was like, I have no idea what to do and how to do that, right? <laughs> and so it's, it, it, it's, it's having the right people doing the job that needs to get done, right? And then being a, being a partnership, because oftentimes, you know, you hear like marketers say, well, I don't get work, work well with the IT department. I don't work well with legal and I don't work well with sales. And, and it's, it's, having, it's having a voice at the table, but getting yeah. everybody to the table yeah. is, is yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I, you know, I, I wore the hat of IT guy at one point and realizing now that I do other things, realizing the, the degree which everyone doesn't like you. <laughs> if you're the IT guy, it's, it's a little humbling. Trying to, trying to lock you down and trying to, and just saying no. And, you know, it's, I understand why that's the job. I, I mean, I sure. really do understand why that's, that's the job and that's sort of got to be the culture. And, and the mindset, because, you know, all this stuff that we're using to, to live life and do business now was designed to be monkey with and, and open and, uh, malleable and changeable. Sure. Like, yeah, the world's not just full of Boy Scouts, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's daunting. You know, you want a secure computer, unplug it, stick it in the closet. Hundred percent, right? Yeah, it's about it. It's about it. Yeah, yep. turn your phone off. Turn your right. Turn your phone. Yeah, really, right. Uh, uh, especially today. I mean, time. talk talk to me about mobile for a second, because that's got to be a, a the world of mobile has to be a a, a both a big source of uh, activity for you and uh, a difficult one, I would think. It, it can be absolutely, especially when you're dealing with um, with apps, right? You know, the the, the apps that track. The apps that collect data, um, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, cookies, you know, um, um, there's, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, essentially HIPAA uh, as it relates to when you log into a site and you're providing data, that information is being scraped by third-party cookies, right? Your, your, your symptoms, let's say you've got a cold or sneezing, things like that. So that's really important even for apps. You think like Teladoc or you think like yeah. a CVS and things of that nature. Yeah. When you're providing all that data back, what's happening with that data? Who, who has access to it? Yeah. Um, who are they selling it to, right? Because it would be really easy for some of those companies to say, hey, we have all this data on people that live in this geographic area. Right. That maybe they're getting allergies earlier than others. That's a target right there for allergy medication, right? There's a lot of, right. there's a lot of those conversations happening that you know, we work with clients on how to protect themselves. Um, and how to design things so that that way, again, the, the data that you're asking for is being used properly, but also you're giving people prompts to say, are, you know, are you sure? Do you want me to track? Do you want to turn location on? All these things, which I know can be very annoying, uh, but it's also important from a privacy perspective that the consumer understands what's happening with that information. I, I will I will admit to being a longtime kind of Apple centric guy, despite having time. Sure, I'm working at, at the uh, at the Borg uh, at at uh, Microsoft. Um, but I can step aside from that and say I think Apple's move with app app trans tracking transparency what a year and a half ago now mm -hmm. has been pretty beneficial to people at large. It I, has. I think they choked off a. a a, a fairly appalling ecosystem that had grown up around sort of 
really everybody could keep track of anything they flip and want to because you're carrying a supercomputer in your pocket. And I'm glad they stuck those rules in place. It's actually made a difference. I think a lot of consumers now appreciate that because yeah. again, yeah. You look at Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I mean, all these companies have so much data about us. Yeah. And they're selling it and sharing it. But now I have, I kind of, it feels like from a consumer perspective, you know, it's now back in my hands. Yeah. Right. And so I yeah. think a and, lot of people are I like that. And the def and to put the default position to, I have to say, yes, you can do that. I, the consumer, have to say, yes, you can do that. Seems like a little move. It's a big move. It's played. It's played absolute havoc on uh, Facebook's business. I know that for sure. Oh, yeah. And advertising. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, okie dokie. Ben, ben Thompson at Stratechery, who I end up quoting about every uh, third conversation, I think, with guests on this show here. Ben, ben Thompson said, one way, to look, one way to think of Facebook pre-app tra tracking transparency was it was a, a bit of a commons. No, no smaller medium business could could do the data gathering to understand their customers on their own. So all of them sort of outsourced that into the Facebook pool and then bought back out of that pool in the form of advertising. And app track tracking transparency kind of blew that up. Yep. Like, okay, Ben, I think you're a smart guy, but I also think someone was profiting mightily from that pool. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. So That's the I'm, problem. I'm okay with that going away personally. Yeah. Well, again, I think the consumers, it's back in, it's back in their hands. They feel better about providing the information as long as they're getting those prompts. Right. Mm. And, um, I think it's, you know, again, from an app perspective, when you build an app, it's understanding what data you need to do your job. Yeah. Right. And then building it with that privacy transparency, I think is really key for, uh, for app developers. Yeah. For app developers. Um, where, where do you see Let's talk broadly data and privacy and we'll narrow in on email. Like what, what put on your futurist hat for a minute. What are some of the things you expect to happen in the next few years? I think that hopefully the uh, national ADPPA will come to fruition. Mm -hmm. uh, they're struggling right now over the private right of action or the PRA, right? So um, if you're in California, you have a private right of action where you can sue directly where the other states, of course, you got to go to the state's AG, right? And so there's conversations about that. I think that'll help, tr you know, tremendously for every, um, you know, resident in the U.S. to know what's happening with their data, how it's being shared or, or sold or, um, you know, what rights they have, right? To really, really kind of clamp down on data breaches. That's still, you turn the news on and every day you hear about this data breach and that data breach. And, uh, you know, then the company's are like, oh, sorry, we'll pay a little fine. Um, and here's, here's the six months of uh, credit monitoring, right? It's right, like, right. That's not, that's not the case. Um, I think that, um, I think that, uh, web browsers are going to be smarter about, um, access to, uh, yeah. information that's collected for, for these yeah. companies. Yeah. Um, I still feel that, um, um, webinars, events, and forms are going to be relevant. Of course, third-party cookies going away, first-party data, of course, reigning king. Um, and again, continued, um, as you mentioned that the supercomputer in your pocket, I think the continued focus is going to be on that. Um, I still think that, um, you know, chat GPT is going to, uh, change the world. I knew we'd lots, go there. A lot, <laughs> lot of different ways. Right. And so, uh, you know, again, the data is only, uh, what you get out of it is only good enough for what you put into it. Right. And so, uh, you know, what information you're, you're, you're asking it, 
you think about all these, you know, devices that are, that are out there, the home devices and asking you questions, but you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of concern now, especially in the U S after CCPA and after the states are doing what they're doing about the data that is being given up. And, and it's interesting to have conversations with people that aren't in the privacy or cybersecurity field, understand now that, wow, the information that I'm providing company X or what I'm putting on Facebook or yeah. what I'm searching in Google, that information is being shared and sold. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's now finally come to light. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're realizing what we gave up and saying, I don't know if I want to give quite as much that up. And, and to be fair, we've been much more willing to do that in the U S other countries, sure. and national domains way ahead of us on a, hang on a minute. No. <laughs> right. 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 Which is, you know, that, that we're, we want to, want to, want to set those rules for ourselves collectively. That's the nature of a nation, I guess. What, um, if you were given advice to a prospective client, you know, they're like, gee, maybe I better call this guy. What, what are things they need to start thinking about that might eventually lead them to calling you, but things they could do better on their own too? You know, I think having policies and procedures in place for understanding, um, again, data access, data uh, mapping, uh, diagrams, I think that's important, right? What are these systems doing? How's the information being sent back and right. forth? Who has access to it? Yeah. Um, you know, we do a lot of training around data privacy and cybersecurity. Um, you know, do you have a training program? What are you teaching people? Do they understand what a fish is? Uh, do they understand social engineering? All those different tactics. Um, you know, I think it's also important for um, clients and businesses to do uh, an audit, right? To do an assessment to identify gaps and risks and what can we do to fix those? Oftentimes, um, we work with clients that want to do it, but they want an expert to come in. They want that external you know, mm -hmm. auditor to come in and say, hey, let's look at this from a different lens as opposed to somebody internally doing it with that blind eye that's like, I know about that over there, but I'm not going to talk about it because that's, that's work or that's a risk that I don't want to tackle. Um, so we do a lot of that kind of work. And I'd say that uh, you know, reviewing uh, and, and working with your legal, your compliance, your IT, understand what everybody's doing, get on the same page. I think this is really important. Um, you know, the, the marketers can't be legal experts and the lawyers can't be marketers. And I say that all the time because, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, the marketers will say, well, I'm in charge of CCPA. I'm in charge of all these rules. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, what you're in charge of is essentially, you know, again, your KPIs, your metrics to get those emails out. And so um, I think having that conversation and being relevant is important. So lots of, lots of areas to dig into. I think, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of our clients uh, do read a lot of things like IEPP, International Association of Privacy Professionals. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course they're active in, um, you know, DMA, um, a lot of different organizations that are important that relate to um, privacy and cybersecurity for marketers. It is it's a side comment and if someone's listening and not watching the video i'll see if i can give it give it a sensible connection as chris was talking his camera on its own panned back and out because someone walked in the room and then did a really smooth hollywood pan back in on chris that's then that was ai in action right as as part of this relatively normal conversation we're having in this case on zoom it 
AI's top of mind now. It's had its Netscape browser moment in the last month or so. Chat GPT, blah, 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 100 million users in a, in a month flat. Cool, interesting. We'll be unpacking that for a long time. But the truth of the matter is, we're already using this stuff. We it's are. built into your camera. Yep. Wow. It is. And it, it's, it's interesting because it is, it captures the movement. Yep. And, it, and, and, you, and essentially, it wants to make sure that the focus is still on you know, the presenter, but at the same time, what's happening around you. Right, right. It was trying to do a, I mean, in the cameraman sense, a good job mm -hmm. of capturing this. And it did a good job of capturing the scene. I mean, the person walking out of the door, right, as we're seeing this. Right. Yep. The camera shifts focused for just a second, but then the, the, the pan back in on you was really smooth. It wasn't, you know, if it was programmed in a linear way, that would have been a very jerky thing. Right. And it was actually a really, it was a tasteful capture. It's like Apple, it, Apple studio display. Is it really? It is. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. I got monitor envy now, man. <laughs> Are you using a built-in camera or no, that's gotta be it's built in. That's the built-in camera. That's built in. That's impressive. That's yeah. really impressive. Wow. Oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, as, as, as we're at this Nets, the Netscape browser moment for AI be, because of the, I think because of the language and human-centric feel of those chat interactions, like everybody wants to talk to me about AI. And I mean, everybody, not just professionally, but, you know, friends over for dinner, the topic, the topic comes up now, but I keep thinking, you know what, we've got pieces of this that have been in place for a long time already. I mean, I'm glad we're, we've got a visible moment to focus on it and talk about it and hopefully have some uh, policy control kind of discussions. But the genies are ready. Genies, plural, have already been out of the bottle for quite a stretch now. It has. Yeah, and I think now it's just uh, everybody sees it. It's like, oh, I can type in this box and it'll tell me exactly what to do. It's like, yeah, that kind of stuff's been around for a while too. So Yes, yes. It's, yeah, it, it, you know, you and I both lived through the internet gone kaboom. Oh yeah. And this feels like the, this feels like the closest to that kind of explosion that I've, that I've seen since. Like, this is going to change pretty much everything. It will. It is. It is changing everything. Yeah. You know, I talk to people all the time that are like, oh, well I can, you know, um, maybe not hire the other developer and just use chat GPT or. Maybe I don't need, maybe I don't need a copywriter, right? I could just use chat yeah. GPT or, yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of conversations happening yeah. around that. And yeah, you're right. It's yeah. <laughs> you know, every time we think a machine is going to take away our job, whether that was Zoom, <laughs> you know, weaving stuff or steam engine or whatever, like every time we think that's going to happen a few years later, you go, ah, now I've actually got more work to do. But at least some of the dumbest stuff I don't have to do, right? I don't have yep. to go out and 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 knock off a cow to have dinner tonight. Right. I'm okay yeah. with that. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Offload that to somebody else. Off where yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. So uh we'll we'll put these pieces we'll put these pieces in place and then we'll look back at some point. Maybe there's dumb stuff we won't have to do. Right. Yep. Fine with it. If if an AI can make sense of CSVs. Alex, right. Yeah, I don't want to do it. The lookups and all that. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Excel, would you just like figure that out? Yeah. Okay. Got it, boss. Yeah. 
I'll be back with you in five minutes. <laughs> I'll be back with you. Right. I I do think we're gonna see. Uh, I do think we're gonna see uh, processor wars heat up again. Because have you really needed to upgrade the hardware on your desk or in your pocket because the CPU wasn't working hard? Not right. for a while. But as we start stuffing more AI engines in these things, we're going to have a whole new generation of, oh, this thing's too slow. Okay, oh, chat yeah. GPT in my pocket is too slow. I guess I need a new fill in the blanks. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. NVIDIA's in, NVIDIA's in a good position. Well, Chris, I knew this would be, I knew this would be fascinating, but even more than I thought. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real, real pleasure to connect and talk. And, and I love talking with people who've got a foot in email and a foot in other spaces because, you know, emails, emails really an interesting thread on its own, but it doesn't exist standalone. It's not an island. No, no, it doesn't. I think, you know, again, for those that are listening, email is just, it's still relevant. It's still very important. It's still gonna, it, it stood the test of time. And I think that, yeah. well, you know, again, it's, it's something that uh, is going to continue. So if someone's listening, you go, oh, I want to talk to this guy. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, cyberdatapros.com, uh, contact form there. My email is chris at cyberdatapros.com uh, or on LinkedIn. If there's uh, anything that you want to chat over LinkedIn as well, happy to do so. so. That's Chris. That's Chris.